Thank you for joining us on Vagina Talks. I'm thrilled to have you here and I want to have you everywhere we are. So I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. That is where you can support, become a member, join the virtual temple, get behind scenes, all the good stuff, support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the medicine, the free flow, the real, 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 real talk. Would love to have you as part of the community over there. Consider yourself invited. Come on over. I'm Samantha Rise, and welcome to Vagina Talks, where we speak about, to, and from vaginas. This is a show of alchemy, where we turn poison into medicine, disconnection into wisdom, and isolated wounds into communal peacemaking. Here's your host, Sophia Wise One. You already know everything they can teach you. You already know everything they could say. We are here to remind you what you already, already, already know. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that Vagina Talks understands that gender is fluid and dynamic and goes way beyond the binary of either woman or man, she or him, and that in fact it's a living and evolving thing that's actually personal, person to person, and that our bodies, even our understanding or the ways that we experience them can vary. It's important for me that that's something that has space here on Vagina Talks, and at the same time, I also am carrying this understanding that womanhood and the experience of the feminine and all of the female in the splitting of that binary has been injured, has been hurt, has been dismantled. And so I'm looking to have a space where the feminine and the female and the female body is reclaimed and respected and lifted and inspected and known, as well as a space that goes beyond the binary and that acknowledges that these are limited constructs mostly put upon us and that we're in the process of evolving into something more whole and more true. Just wanted to say that some of my guests will use incredibly binary language for whatever reason from the places that they come from. And I just wanted to let you know that Vagina Talks has a much wider understanding and it's a living one. So feel free to chime in as we go along. Without further ado, today's episode. you know (laughs) maybe you don't maybe you're not here in this space like I am right now but like is where I am Uh, welcome to vagina talks I'm your host they call me Sophia wise one I call me Sophia wise one often and I'm glad you're here if you're new uh, settle in it's just us and I'm just gonna share some things with you. And if you're an old dear friend, a walker with me, welcome back, loves, and thank you for being with me and being patient with me. No, patient isn't even the word, supportive. I have felt nothing but support. Took a break this summer, uh, more like just kind of stopped. (laughs) That's a lot of what's been happening for me recently. It's like a break in retrospect. But at the time, it wasn't a break. It was just like, I can't. I can't. I can't. 
I can't. And then the like, I can't just like add up to a time, an amount of time. And then that amount of time equals a break. So here I am today. I can. I would like to. I want to. To be here. I want to talk about shame. I want to talk about a piece that I know is up for a lot of people right now. And I know it's been very up for me. So I've done a lot of work with shame over the years. So maybe you've heard me talk about this, but sometimes I refer to my life as a course, a study, like doing a study in. And so when I had my mental breakdown when I was 19, I did a study in grief. I spent a few years just discovering my heartbreak and giving space to and breathing in and meeting and knowing and loving my grief. And then I did a study in anger and I spent years, a couple years really befriending my rage and my anger, my compass of justice, my voice of unmet needs, my demand for change. And then I did a study in shame. I spent a couple years just finding secret after secret that I had kept hidden from healing. I had kept uh, tucked away. And one of the things about shame, one of my like principal teachings about shame is that shame is the blanket that covers the wound. It's the covering. So there's a wound and then shame is when we make that wound wrong. What's interesting about a wound in this circumstance is sometimes a wound is a, it's a pleasure, actually. So lots of us carry around shame from things that we enjoy. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that um, as we get into it. So this study in shame. And one of the things that I know about shame, Shanasi Rose passed this on to me, which is that shame cannot be processed. It can only be lifted, and it's lifted by community. So shame has to be healed through witnessing because the blanket is the hiding. So the blanket that covers the wound, all you have to do is uncover the wound and then healing naturally occurs. What we need to celebrate, honor, tend, um, treat. Sometimes underneath that shame, there's a festering infected wound that when we uncover, it's a wreck. Other times we uncover it and it's just this, it's just like a little pearl. It's just like, oh, hi, I thought you were so terrible. And now that I'm taking you out and looking at you and sharing you with other people, like you're a gem. You're so precious. So the shame itself is the uncovering, the exposure. So healing shame requires exposure. And so that exposure can be plant, medicine, um, uh, people, humane, human, spirit, spiritual guides, or in meditation, spiritual energies. But the witnessing has to be real. You have to really feel exposed. Um, I say, if you don't believe a plant can witness you, then it's probably not going to be the, the, you know, the most effective way to do it. But I really learned that on a hill in Santa Fe. I was uh, very upset. I'd gone for a hike and kind of sat down and I was in that edgy space. This was, oh my, 2007 a long time ago now and like just a minute ago and I was so sad and I wanted to cry but I felt alone and like I I I didn't want to cry alone 
And I was sitting on this hill and I turned to my left and there was this bush. And I said, will you witness me? And as soon as I, after I asked that question and I felt the presence of this plant next to me, I just, I opened like, bah, my mouth opened, my tear ducts opened and I wept and I wept in the company of this plant. So that was really real for me. I really had that company. So I have, you know, I've had, I have, I have a, a very real living experience with that. And so that is a very powerful way to do it. Uh, sometimes exposing it to ourselves is the hardest part and the part that we have to come back to over and over again uh, so as to keep it out of out of hiding. Because one of the things that happens in that hiding place is it gets cut off. It just gets cut off. So the healing wants to happen. The healing wants to move. The healing wants to get in there. And when I say the healing, I just mean in general, right? Like I come from an understanding, a basic principle that we are all moving and optimizing like by the very nature of existence towards equilibrium, towards a balanced and optimal state. And so it's our nature to be working towards that and finding that. And in fact, we have to interrupt that sequence to inhibit our growth and healing. And so shame is a very powerful way to do that um, because it just tucks it away, hides it away. And then, um, and then we, we can't get what we, what, what we need. So, so what do we do, right? Well, we expose it. And uh, Brene Brown, obviously, uh, if you're not familiar with her work, I highly encourage her work. It's required in no matter what curriculum I've taught. I almost always require Brene Brown's uh, uh, first two TED Talks. Maybe her, uh, yeah, her first two TED Talks, I don't know. But any of her work, interviews, she's just incredibly consistent. Her research has been amazing, and she's a beautiful storyteller. And one of the things that she talks about is that um, when we're exposing our shame, who choosing who we're sharing it with is a very, very um, important part because <laughs> this is real, right? Like we go to share a shame story to get it revealed and, and, and healed. I have a card in, in my deck reveal to heal. This is my, it's my shame, kind of my shame card. Like, you know, you know, expose it to be, to, to have access to the care that you need. And, uh, and if we do that in the presence of someone who's going to further shame us or deny that we have needs or do those things, um, that can be an added challenge. So, uh, you know, picking who and where and how you're going to share that with is its own skill. I really want to kind of name that as a skill because that kind of discernment and uh, respect of yourself and the respect of the limits or the capabilities of the people in your life or the beings in your life, that uh, people's inability to respect you is not actually about you. It's about their ability, which is not about you. And so finding a way to navigate loving relationships with people that may not have the skills that you want them to have is an adventure. I don't know what else to say. It's, it's, it is relating because one of the beauties of community or collaboration is that we have 
different gifts and we have different skill sets and we have different preferences. And so when we come together, we're expanded in our gifts and our skill sets and our preferences. And yet it can be really hmm, disappointing, frustrating, understandable, infuriating to have the people that we're connected with be in a different place or in a different relationship or a different way of being than we are. So, you know, so, so what do we do? We expose it and we expose it to someone who, if we're going to go with a person, uh, I think plants are usually pretty solid at it. Um, my spirit guides are, I, I, you know, they're my principal team on this uh, for sure. Um, it's actually one of the key components of the soul unification healing practice that I do is this internal whole being choice to expose yourself to a sacred council that loves you unconditionally. And so allowing yourself to be exposed and then to receive the care and the witnessing and the exact vibrational match of that, which you need. It's, it's very powerful practice. So it's one of my, my key ones. The other thing about this that can be really useful is to recognize that some people have the skills. They just need to know it's time to use them. So this is where it can be so helpful when you have this memory of a friend calling me and saying, I need someone to tell a shame story to. And my response was, Oh, were you human? Do you have a human story to tell me? She was like, I do. And then she told me the story and she, she knew, you know, and she also made this request and she called me, but she also made this request, even of me, like, this is the thing I it's, this is a shame story. Like, I don't feel great about this. This isn't my like prize and winning moment. I'm not telling you this story so that you can say like, oh, well, I don't know if that's a good idea or to get praise about it or to whatever. I'm just, I just, I need a witness. I need a witness. So, so sometimes it can be really helpful to say to someone, I have uh, this thing that I, a memory or a pattern I've recognized or, uh, something I just did. And I, I can feel the way in which I just want to like hide it, I'm, like embarrassed and, and it's going beyond embarrassed. I just like don't want anyone to know. And I can feel the, the, the power of that. Uh, Yolanda Van Zant, who's an incredible author and teacher has, uh, her, she, she, she is known for saying you are only as sick as your secrets. You are only as sick as your secrets. And so when you start to notice that you are secretizing, <laughs> that you're keeping secrets, it's a very powerful time to catch and, and make a different choice. Now, the one of the things that's interesting, she says, <laughs> about shame is that it's fast and sometimes it's invisible and silent. And so that catch can be really difficult to notice or find. And sometimes we even notice, sometimes I even notice I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little ashamed of this. And I like have a little conversation with someone and then, and it's like, and then it like sinks deeper and deeper. <laughs> like I shared it, but then it's like, I tuck it 
lower and deeper. This is what I mean, hiding it from myself. And, uh, and that's where I came to just this past week where I realized that one of the reasons I was having difficulty recording my next episode was because that I was in a shame cycle. I was, had just sunk. And so this is a really important moment to make a distinguishing, what is shame? We didn't even get here yet. So we'll do it now. What is shame? And shame is the belief that you, that, uh, you are principally a bad human. You're, you're like fundamentally bad bad, bad for it. So guilt is I feel bad. Um, I feel like I did a bad thing or I feel, you know, upset with myself because I did did a bad thing. Shame is I feel upset with myself or I feel bad, uh, because I'm a bad thing. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person because this happened. I'm a bad person because this didn't happen. I'm a bad person because boom, that's shame. That's shame. What's interesting is that uh, we're not, right? You're not fundamentally wrong and fundamentally bad. I am not fundamentally wrong or fundamentally bad. This is especially true from a spiritual perspective that is divinely neutral. (laughs) So, yeah. One of the things about working with shame too, is that hmm, often there is a aspect of pleasure that makes us feel particularly ashamed. So it's something that we know we shouldn't do or that shouldn't have happened or that we shouldn't have this is a really good shooting moment right shooting all over ourselves but so we're shooting all over ourselves so it's like should shouldn't this shouldn't that um and at the same time there was a somewhere in you a pleasure response now that pleasure response can be uh physiological so like a terrible experience um that you had with like a, a bunch of teen friends or something. Um, but there was a, like an adrenaline rush. Like there was something that was fun about it, even though what was happening, you're like, Oh, this is, this is bad. Like we just broke somebody's stuff. That's not our stuff. But the, but there was a pleasure in it. And, and sometimes it's actually the pleasure point that instills the shame as opposed to the guilt. Cause the guilt is the bad action, but it's like, Oh, I felt good while that bad thing was happening. What's complicated about that too is that we have so much programming and and shaming and mm, aggression towards our pleasure that mm, I would say the majority of people's shame actually stems from their pleasure that is equitably found and respectfully um, discovered, but fundamentally because it has pleasure at all, we're, we're wired to have a response of like, Oh, I must have, um, we have an episode, uh, coming up with a, a guest Joe Graf came on and we we're talking about consent. And one of the things that he shared was when, when we're in a rape culture, um, we're, we're, 
conditioned to believe that we got our pleasure by hurting someone else. And, uh, that really struck me and that's coming up for me right now, which is as we talk about this. So there's shame that can come from, uh, just some, uh, you know, a, a belief like, uh, what I want sexually is wrong, right? Uh, who you're attracted to is wrong. Um, what, how you like to spend your time, how much money you make too much money, too little money. Um, how much, uh, alone time you need. Like we can have really judgmental, right? Anything that we can judge, (laughs) we can have, we can, uh, have, have stories about, um, you know, towards ourselves. And so often there's this, um, confusion around, moral code and ethical behavior and a pleasure that we have in our body. So sex is such a a beautiful landscape of this, of like a literal pleasure response or (laughs) clitoral, a clitoral pleasure response to something that we've been told we ought not enjoy. Right. So we're doing a thing and then we feel bad for doing a thing. So we may continue to do it and carry shame for it, or we may deny that we do it at all and never do it and carry shame for it. And then, so there's all these things that like are inherently, this is, that's a great example of like a pearl um, that, that I say, or it's like you uncover it and it's like, oh, there's this pearl. But there's also this piece where you can uncover it and say, oh, geez, like I have had this denial that you know, those of you who have watched me, this process of me embracing the fact that I am inherently fundamentally and have always been uh, polyamorous, that I am, I am a, a lover and that I am, um, I carry this medicine and a vital sexual energy that I'm not interested in having an agreement with anybody that says how I can spend that life force energy, that that's like who I am and how I've actually lived my life and, and behaved sometimes in, in my youth, less ethically, um, non like not ethically. Um, and, and later in my adult life, ethically, consistently, transparently in that space, but having this place of like, there's like the shame over a, a unethical behavior, and then there's the shame over a fundamental aspect of ourselves. <sighs> All right, who's with me? What do you need? Take a moment. I'm going to take a moment too. So one of the things that shame does that is so costly um, is that it begins to silence us. And one of the things that I've found so consistently in my life and very consistent in the people that I've worked with that I've seen is there's this thing where we think we can just not talk about one thing and feel totally free and, and, and live our life with ease and just like not go there. But shame has this insidious network system that um, kind of pulls things with it because anything that could link back to it can set off a, a danger alarm. And so what ha- ends up happening is you just, what, pe- what, I, what I 
see myself. I talked about being like, oh, I found myself in a shame cycle. Like this is, this is one of the feelings that I know where it's like, I find myself less and less interested or willing to just share what's happening or share myself, share my feelings, because there's this way in which when we open, we open period at the end. So if I'm in a space where I'm open and I'm free and I'm connected and I have a friend across from me and we're sharing everything, I just share and I share what comes up to be shared. Now, what shame starts to do is it starts to say, oh, well, okay, but don't share that because that could lead us back to here and we don't want to talk about that. Oh, don't say that because that could lead us back to here and we don't want to say that. And so it has this way of begin, it begins filtering or stifling our voice. And one thing about voice is that voice is not just the sounds that come out of your mouth. Voice is not just the words that you choose. Voice is also the expression of our being, our vibrational voice. It's a, it's as we share ourselves, as we embody our voice, it is, it is whole, which means that when we stifle, and begin to regulate or pull back our voice, we start to do that physically and vibrationally and in the subtle bodies as well. We begin to control. One of the most costly aspects of becoming controlling of ourselves is that we begin to make those requirements, assumptions, or judgments on other people. We need them to be controlled as well. It's it's a, it's projection, Maybe you don't do it, but it's pretty consistent. Most people do, which is, you know, one of the things in it when I start getting really judgy to people that I'm, that are in my life or even in my head, (laughs) now that I think about it, find something, magazine or social media or a stranger on the street. And I'm like having a judge moment in my head. That's like, like, okay, Sophia, like it's a real strong opinion. You really want that person to do that thing. And pretty clearly now that's set off alarm that goes, oh, I'm hating myself. Oh, I'm hating myself. Oh, okay. That's why I'm, that's why I'm like being so judgmental and controlling is because I'm being judgmental and controlling towards myself. So that's spilling off to other, other people. Okay. So the way that just the way that I can be, um, do that with my pain, my anger, uh, my shame, shame has a way of, um, yes, we can project that shaming. That's a huge way that it happens. Um, and, uh, and that's a really touchy one. (laughs) People that are like very actively shaming other people. It's like, wow, you must really, you must be treacherous inside you. Like I can't imagine anything would be okay in that space when it's like, when everything outside them is being shamed for those of us who have a more, uh, accepting or embracing or tolerating or encouraging uh, collectivism mentality of like, you be you and I'll be me. Um, we have the philosophical approaches that say like, you do you, I don't need to judge you. Um, that shame begins to run these patterns where we begin to control our behavior so as to keep the secrets hidden. And that can be our behavior, our language, our voice, our energy, our, our sharing. And the other thing that can come up in that space is, um, wait a second, I just got lost. Doop, 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 doop. Shaming other people. 
because they're shaming themselves, controlling other people because you're controlling yourself, judging other people because you're judging yourself. And then all of those things exacerbate relating and often has a way of enjoying our life tends to go downhill because everything becomes disappointing. And (laughs) that's kind of a dramatic way to say it, but that's, this is the shame cycle. Like this is a shame cycle that gets unchecked is that everything becomes disappointing because everything is about maintaining or keeping this hidden, this hidden territory, which requires a controlled landscape because if it's an uncontrolled landscape, then anything could be exposed at any time and that's dangerous. So it's a, a, a hyper, hyper vigilance. Can, can be a very controlled landscape. And so again, I'm going to come back to that's how we got here. Um, this episode for me was this week. I was like, oh, there's a particular feeling that I recognized. I first really learned um, about shame, um, the unraveling of it when I went and got trained in pelvic floor work and didn't, and then didn't publicly practice for almost two years because I wasn't sure if it was within the scope of practice in the state that I was licensed as a massage therapist. And I needed until I kind of got that cleared up, I felt that I had to practice in secret. And, uh, I moved to New Mexico and found out that it was on the books part of my, uh, scope of practice as a practitioner. And I came out as a pelvic floor teacher. That video is, uh, it's, uh, it's the, um, confession session. Oh, my first confession session video. And I tell the story of like, I've been sat, I've been silenced. And like the very reason <laughs> we need pelvic floor work is the reason why I felt like I couldn't talk about pelvic floor work. But what was so interesting to me about it was the unraveling after I told the internet, after I came out, every day that followed, something else became safe to share. Something else in me became safe to do. I started singing in the morning when I woke up. I felt free. I felt free. I didn't have this thing that I had to keep secret. I could just be myself. And if people bumped into information, it was safe. It was okay. So this is very intense territory for people who, um, have, work that requires secrecy. It's one of the reasons why supervision and um, uh, peers for people who um, are privy to confidential information need spaces to share uh, so that they're not carrying it alone. You know, need spaces to be able to share and digest information. Um, It's also one of the reasons why it's so complicated to create Uh, real clear thought answers to policy issues for things that are illegal, um, like drug use, um, or, or I don't even want to say drug use. I just want to say the, um, you know, legal and illegal drugs and, um, sex work is because 
people's ability to just have a real clear-headed conversation when it's so rooted in shame for people that are on, you know, any side of it, uh, participatory, non-participatory. There's it's so loaded, and that gripping of the the pathways really inhibits clear thought, clear energy. It's one of the reasons why I specifically sex workers um, need to be in the like the leading conversation of how you create those policies because they've, you know, have reconciled a lot of that and are having clear thought and clear conversation. I mean, not everyone, but a, but a lot of them can contribute to this conversation because they are... <laughs> thinking about it not not thinking about it they're not spending their energy going like ugh. they're just spending their energy going yes these are the things we need to think about and talk about uh-huh 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 and that willingness that openness to like explore the landscape is where uh creative um solutions come from you know and and where care comes from you know um when i i uh it's funny because, you know, I think <sighs> one of the biggest things that I shame myself on is about being late. That I'm just late. I just should have done it by now. It's a pretty classic kind of uh, people who've been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD is this sense of like, everybody else can just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> why do I, why can I not, you know, the sense of like, I mean, I can, I can do it. I do do it. I do it sometimes. But that like consistency piece, which then results, consistency does magic things. It's like, I don't, it's not like I don't understand how it works, you know, but it's like that, that piece. And so I get really hard on myself. And I mentioned the deck of cards earlier. And, you know, I think that's probably, if there's one thing that I could like complete and and lay down <laughs> that would give me that I'm inviting myself to complete and lay down the shame about it without completing the project. And that's where I am like right now. That's my prayer. That's I'm like inviting you into this like internal prayerscape with me. So I I I've tr- I'm trusting you. <laughs> so um so that's my invitation. My invitation is to use your skills to to be able to hold and witness someone, and uh, and if you can't, that's okay. Everybody gets to have their judgments and their feelings, and I'm held. Um, you know. So the but the teachable moment that I want to share with you is that. So I have I've I have struggled with this notion of. I started this, it'll, you know, it's almost October. I started this project in October, um, four years ago and I thought it would be done in a year and I set out to finish it. I mean, I've set out to finish it so many times and I set out to finish it at the beginning of this year and was like, this is it. This is my like number one thing, you know? And then I like went into my year and it has been this thing on my mind, but on, and more than just on my mind. <sighs> and yet... I have a bigger commitment to my own being than than any to-do list. And that's to be in deep listening with myself and and cultivate deeper and deeper trust with myself. And so I am working on this project and 
if I'm bullying myself to do it or I'm pressing myself to do it, I will intentionally not. I won't. So if I've decided that I like have to work on it because I've like fucked up too much and I have to like get it done, then I will be like, actually, that's not how you touch this. That's not what you're doing. That's not how you're going to live your life. So you actually get to do anything other than that today or right now, you know? And so it's been this deep teacher of not bullying myself, not um, forcing myself. I've learned, um, you know, social pressure is like one of the techniques that they teach you. The entrepreneurial world is like, put things out and say like, do the thing. And then like, because people are waiting for it, you'll finish it. And that used to be true for me, but like, it's not anymore, <laughs> which feels like a huge victory to me um, because I, I, I have moved my, my, my locus. I've like moved my, my center of, uh, decision-making and power. And that's, that's between me and spirit. And so people can have the opinions that they'll have. And in fact, I get to like bless that and be grateful for their life force and their journey. And I get to do what feels right for me. So I really have like, for instance, I, I used to, in my, I do monthly updates and I used to say what I did and what I was planning on doing, but then I would get so tweaked out by whether or not I did it. And I would feel so bad because I knew it was like, I would have this moment of being like, why do I do that? It's like an old people pleasing tactic of like, well, I just want people to know that I'm going to like do this. And I was like, but that's not what you're going to do. You're going to continue to do this project the way that you've done it, which is like, it's there. You, you are looking at it. You're thinking about it every day. You're showing up to it. You're taking action. And when you're bullying yourself around it, you're not. And when you're inspired, you're taking action and you're moving forward. So you don't know what those things are going to be. And you have ideas, but that's not what it is. So why are you telling people so that then you can be like, okay, well, I didn't do that, but I did do this. And it's not, it's been, it was such an interesting thing because I realized that that was a pattern that I was running, not just with that, but that I was running in all of my relationships, this like classic, like texting people, like I'll call you tomorrow. Right. And then being like, am I going to call them tomorrow? Is that who I am? Like, is that who I am? Is that what people like count on me for? It's like, no, like I'm going to call you when I feel inspired to call you. And like, what do most of my friends say? It's like, oh my gosh, you call me at like exactly the right moment, you know? And so it's like, okay, so that's who I am. I don't need to make myself wrong for being that person just because I'm not this other person. The, uh, someone else's integrity and gift and like beauty in their life is that they say, I'll call you tomorrow. And then they call you tomorrow, you know? But the thing is, what I need to say to people is, I'll call you when I'm inspired to call you and I love you every day until then. That's where my integrity lies, right? Not by saying I'll call you tomorrow and then making myself call someone. Mine is to speak true to who I am and how I'll behave. That's my path of freedom. That's my path to integrity. And so shifting the way that I was kind of giving updates is like, okay, well, the end of every update will be like, and I'll continue to work, move forward on this project, you know? And so it's like, I made the decision of, let me just update what has happened instead of what I'm going to do so that I'm not in this conflict of like, why did I tell people that it was going to do this thing if I didn't know I was going to do this thing? So I don't know. I hope that, that rant somewhere in that rant that was helpful for you but you know um looking at oh I know what I was gonna say so this project this is what feels very exciting to me right now this 
I'm being given like this project has been such a powerful teacher to me. And one of the things that's teaching me right now is I've been telling myself like I'll be free of this burden and I'll be free of the shame when I finish it. And what I've come to realize is, is that the real journey for me and really what I feel like what my creative spirit is asking me to do is like, free yourself. Now, stop apologizing. Stop. You're not even, I'm not even apologizing. I'm just hiding, just like withdrew, just hid. It was like this culmination of like, I, you know, this slew of things that I decided, it was like a culmination of things that I decided that made me a horrible person um, that just kind of, I, and it's, again, it's like, I think it was that insidious, like pulling each piece back of just being like, I can't talk about my divorce. I can't talk about my money. I can't talk about my work. I can't talk about the project. Like, I can't talk about any of these things. I can't talk about my sex. I can't talk about how I'm healing and uh, healing my codependence with my mother. I can't talk about how I'm identifying toxic masculinity inside the inherent behaviors of my incredible wonderful father it's like no actually these are all really I just wish I probably do an episode on each of those things <laughs> you know but it's like I just found myself like shrinking back but that's what I mean by often sometimes it's actually there's like a core piece that the tendrils are just like no 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 keep it secret keep it secret and uh so <sighs> I'm in this place right now of how do I free myself when I've created a head game, when I've created a construct, um, I've created a belief that makes me wrong, that means I need to keep things secret, um, you know, to, re to reveal that. I think just to kind of bring you in on that a little bit, I can just feel into that right now. It's really been a piece of needing external validation or thinking I did. And giving that power and feeling like I can't show my face and I can't do the next thing. I can't transition from being a body worker to a speaker the way that I want to until like after this thing is finished because I don't have any, Oh, there it is. Thanks for being with me. <laughs> I bless yours, whatever it is, as I share this with you. <sighs> because like, I need something to make my presence valid. And as soon as I say it, it's like I say it right now and I'm just like, I don't even believe that. <laughs> Which feels incredible. And there's this very interesting experience that I have where I can feel in my body now how much of me, like in all my 
in my body and my, in my muscle tension and in my organs, how they settle my circulation and also my biofield, my auric space, that like energy space. I can feel the spaces that are like, no, really I do. Like I'm panicked. And it's like, if I'm not, a pu- if I'm not published and I'm not finished, like I can't have any cred for doing a Kickstarter four years ago and not finishing it. Like I've undermined all my credibility. Like I have, I have a place in me that has believed that I can feel the place in me that is like, Oh, it's dangerous. This is a thing you've really messed up. Like nobody's gonna want it. It's like, you know, value worthiness. Like I have that story, the, um, what do they call it? The like fakers. <laughs> I forget what they call it. There's like a name for it. Um, imposter syndrome right? Like I can feel that place. It's like, no. And I can feel the way that that's rooted in, in my like codependent, like earn my keep, you know, what's valuable to other people is what makes me valuable. I can feel that. And even right now, as I'm just like being with this in a real way, I can feel that. If there's any part of you that knows that feeling, like what makes me valuable is what other people think is valuable to just like be with me in that and just breathe with that for a second and just like let that have space, like let the blanket come off of that, like let that part be touched by love. Like that story doesn't have to be made a problem but it can be looked at. And then the rest of me, I can feel all the rest of me looking at that story and going, no, no, your value comes from your inherent being. You're a sacred essence that had value before, during, and after all of this. Any value that you have is beyond it's not something that can be given or taken away or made or unmade. Like things get complete and things are left incomplete and things get done and things don't get done and things get done in a way that we wish they got done differently. And things get done that we feel are like incredible. It's like I just think about how often if something goes off, like that question, like without a hitch, like that feeling of like, oh, that was like how much that feels like a miracle and how much that feels like a gift and how much that's like, oh yeah, like it's a real place of celebration and beauty and mystery, I think for a lot of us. And so like, why would we be so harsh on ourselves when the rest of the time it's just like (laughs) the wonders of life? Of just like full of other gifts that we didn't see coming or that we didn't plan on. Like, why would I be ashamed of this project when it's taught me so much and it's teaching me so much? It's like, if you've learned anything in this episode, it's like teaching you so much. So like, why would I look at it or look at myself and say like, bad girl, you know? Except for all the reasons that I was taught to do that. Ah. <sighs> so to just feel that part and to like let it look up in you to like let it look up and to let the part of you that looks and says like 
good. You're good. <sighs> mm. You're loved. Even you, story of being late and wrong, you too are loved. You too, like, opened up to healing, to which the question is, what do you need? You can have it. And I think that's where I'll leave you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I offer you my blessings. I offer you my gratitude. Really, thank you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for witnessing me. I do. I, I in my heart, I just... I hope this is nourishing. That's something in this, in our time together, just, <laughs> just offered just the thing, a hug, a high five, a kiss on the forehead, space, permission. As I, as I offer you the blessing of what do you need? You can have it. Take care and, uh, You'll be hearing from me soon. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> Remember, everything that we talked about in today's episodes will be in the show notes. So go there for links. For more content that you're going to love, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode with anybody you think you'll enjoy it and share the love with a rate or review wherever you listen. And to find out about all the mad adventures I'm up to, check me out on Instagram at SophiaWiseOne uh, or come to my website, SophiaWiseOne.com. I am Sophia Wise One, daughter of the wind. I am calling you to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up and take your place. Thank you, gorgeous. I am thrilled and grateful for your support listening to this podcast. I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. If you think this podcast is the bee's news and you're grateful that it exists, I want you to know I'm grateful that you exist. Come join the Patreon. I call it the temple. We are healing. We are musicking. We are podcasting. We are together. Come check it out. You can find it through Patreon backslash Sophia Wise One or through my website, sophiawiseone.com. <laughs> Y'all know you need to hear that though. You know. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know. Okay. Yo, I'm so excited about Vagina Talks right now. Don't pretend like you don't know this is the best podcast you've ever listened to. Don't pretend like you don't know. You know.